eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Prevent Defense, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Prevent Defense podcast brought to you by Radio.com Sports. I am Elliot Shore Parks, along with the one and only Brian Baldinger. Baldy, I hope you had a great Christmas, but I know what you're most excited for. Your best gift is this Seattle-San Francisco game that we're going to get on Sunday night. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's the last game of the regular season. Yeah. Number 256, and there's an awful lot at stake uh, in the NFC between that game. It's uh, a game that Seattle won in overtime quite a few weeks ago. And there's, you know, I mean, San Francisco, who has just will have played now 13 straight weeks in a row without mm-hmm. – Arrest. They had the first buy of the season on September 29th. Uh, I'm sure that they would all love to have a week off and get rested here and get ready for, you know, the playoffs going through Levi Stadium. So there's there's a lot to play for all the way around between these two teams. Before we get into the particulars of that matchup, what do you think of the fact that the winner of that game, or I guess, sorry, the loser of that game, is going to have to travel to either Philadelphia or Dallas, despite the fact that they're both going to be double-digit win teams. And obviously, we, we know the Eagles and Cowboys have been pretty disastrous all season, and they're going to get to host a playoff game. I, I think it's fair. I mean, I think it. You know, they won their division. They, they get the home playoff game. I don't think this is a, a need to really you know overhaul the playoff um, you know, the way it works. But what, what do you think about that? Well, look, if the Eagles take care of business – against the Giants this weekend, they will have won four in a row and they would be nine and seven. And if the Seahawks lose to the 49ers, they're going to be 10 and six. So you got a 10 and six team visiting a nine and seven team. I mean, it's hmm. sometimes you can have all these discussions about how bad a division is and let's overhaul things. And then you just have to play it all the way out. And if you play it all the way out, if it plays out like that, the Eagles with a four game win streak, I mean, they hadn't lost in December. That's pretty good stuff. So I think you got to play it all the way out and then go from there. And if that happens, then Seattle will probably be playing on Saturday night here. And I have been in Lincoln Financial Field in 2013 when they played New Orleans on a Saturday night in the wild card round. And it was some atmosphere. Yeah. So the Saints played really well. They got the ball last and 
took it down for the game-winning drive and won the game. Uh, you know, I would say I'd give the home the home field advantage uh, quite a bit in that game. And the, the interesting thing about a, a potential Seahawks-Eagles matchup is the Seahawks were just here in Philadelphia a few weeks ago. And in some ways, the game wasn't as competitive as maybe the final score indicates. But, I mean, the Eagles were were in that game. I mean, the Seahawks had a lot of – I think they had two touchdowns that were dropped or Russell Wilson uh, overthrew the one. So they could have had more points. But with how the Eagles are playing, I mean, they're playing considerably better now than they were back then. So I think that would be a good matchup. But to get to that matchup, certain things need to happen, starting with the fact that Seattle and San Francisco play on Sunday night, as you mentioned, the last game of the regular season. Winner of that game, I believe, ends up with the number one seed or is pretty locked into that. And then the loser, obviously, would be the five seed. So my question for you is, in that game, what are your keys? What are you looking at? What 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 does either Seattle or San Francisco have to do to to win that game? Well, you see, I mean, Seattle just got beat by Arizona last weekend. And when you watch the game, and look, uh, you know, Kyler Murray went out of that game. Brett Hundley came in the game, and they couldn't stop him. I mean, they literally have no pass rush right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Genevieve Clowney has not played in a while. Uh, the last time these two teams met, he was the best player on the field. And Seattle, for the first time all year, looked like they had a dominant pass rush. And he affected the game uh, in a big way. So I don't know. He's expected to play on Sunday night. They need him. Uh, when you watched uh, Arizona last week against him, uh, Seattle could not get near Kyler Murray or Brett Hundley when they just rushed four. It, Seattle was forced to really blitz and run a bunch of zone pressures. And they ran one, and Kenyon Drake went the other way for 80 yards. Uh, they caught him in his own pressure. And so they don't want to have to do it, but they're f- sort of forced to do it. The other thing is Seattle's defense, they love to play three linebackers, probably more than any other team in the league. I don't have the stats in front of me to verify that, but they love to play Bobby Wagner, K.J. Wright, Michael Kendricks. And I would imagine that Kyle Shanahan, when he sees those three linebackers on the field, he'd love to get one of his receivers, whether it's Kittle or Sanders, on Kendricks and run some double moves and some play action on him and see if they can exploit a matchup right there. I'm sure it'd be part of their game plan. Those are just a couple things. And then, look, I mean, you lose Chris Carson and Rashad Penny to a team that prided itself on being able to run the football really well, which they did. You lose both backs for the season, and you're going to sign, you know, Marshawn Lynch. To have him come in there, I'm not sure what they expect him to do. I mean, he hadn't played since week six of last year, had retired the year before, didn't really finish strong the year before that. So maybe they're hoping for a couple beast mode moments, and maybe they get them. But they're putting an awful lot in the stock of Marshawn Lynch here, when really, how much can you expect after the career that he had and as much time as he has missed? Yeah, I think the Marshawn Lynch thing is certainly exciting. It'll be exciting to see him play in such a big game of this magnitude to come right in. And he's look, he's going to get the ball, as you mentioned. There were they, They've lost almost all their running backs. So they're going to have to give it to him. And I think it's exciting. But I do think one benefit potential, I mean, it's tough to spin losing all your running backs to, to injury as a, as a positive. But I do think one potential positive for the Seahawks might be that now they're going to have to just put it in Russell Wilson's hand even more. And as well as he's played this year, I mean, he's probably the MVP, if not for Lamar Jackson. I think that could end up being a positive for them in, in a roundabout way. I mean, we've debated all year on this pod the benefit of running the ball on offense versus passing it. Can you be a running team and win? And I think the answer this year has been yes, right? But I do think anytime you have the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more, 
the better the better it is for the Seahawks. I mean, when the Eagles played them, every single play they ran the ball, it felt like a gift for the Eagles secondary. Now their secondary is obviously, you know, not as good as uh, San Francisco's, but I but I do think Russell Wilson throwing him more uh, is a positive. As for the pass rush, uh, the point you made, which I think is a good one, if they don't get a pass rush on Garoppolo, that could be obviously very bad for them. I mean, Mike uh, Kyle Shanahan has done a great job. I think he's probably the best, if not the best head coach in the league outside of Belichick. He's certainly on the short list. And if he's if Garoppolo is able to sit back there all day, Seattle's defense is not that good, and be, it's because of the pass rush. So I do think that could uh, that could be a long a long um, game for them. But from the 49ers' perspective, what do they need to do to beat Seattle? Well, the first thing you have to do, and look, Seattle has lost three home games this year. All right, they've lost to Baltimore. They lost to the Saints. Uh, they lost last week to Arizona. They had to go to overtime to beat the Tampa Bay Bucks at home. But the first thing you always have to do is you got to handle the atmosphere, and you got to handle the noise. So on Sunday night, holiday weekend like this. I mean, it'll be at a fever pitch. So the first thing you do is you got to handle that, you know. And then you just—I think the only chance really Seattle has is if they can force some turnovers on San Francisco. And we saw the Rams do that, intercept Jimmy Garoppolo twice. There were some great plays by Jalen Ramsey to do it. But you know, you got to handle the atmosphere. You got to handle the—you got to take care of the football, like all good teams have to do. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, I mean, Dwayne Brown is a really good left tackle, and he's done. And so they played Jamarco Jones at left tackle last week, and Chandler Jones had four sacks and hit Russell Wilson three more times, and he dominated the line of scrimmage. And so that's Nick Bose's position. Nick is going to the Pro Bowl in his first year, but he has slowed down a little bit here as the season has gone on. But I would expect Nick Bosa to have a good game against Jamarco Jones. And if they don't run the ball very well, and you have to – Russell Wilson has to throw it. Um, you know, he he looks like he's, he's not the same player that he was a month ago. Uh, Tyler Lockett has been almost invisible mm-hmm. in this last month for whatever reason. And part of it might be the offensive line and how they're playing up front. In fact, that the running game is kind of swiftly going away right now. So who are you picking in this one? I think I'm going to go with the 49ers just because of how banged up the Seahawks are. And as you mentioned, I mean, I've, I've been to – the field in Seattle, I'm sure you have as well. It certainly is a home field advantage, no denying that. But like you said, the Ravens went in there. I mean, teams have gone in there and won. And I think San Francisco will do that, especially with just how banged up Seattle is. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is a good story, but I'd be very surprised if he came in and had immediate impact. So I'm going to go with the Niners. Who are you picking? I like the Niners. I, I think the the incentive to get the number one seed and get the next week off and get guys like Richard Sherman and Fred Warner, guys that have played a lot of snaps, uh, you get them a week off and really get rested and have it all come through San Francisco. Um, I think it's a tremendous incentive uh, for this whole team. George Kittle hasn't been healthy since he got hurt the first time against Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd love to get that week off and you know try to win two home playoff two home playoff games and make a trip to the Super Bowl. So I think there's a lot of incentive here for San Francisco. It doesn't guarantee anything, but I like the 49ers in the game. So the other division yet to be decided, uh, the NFC East, obviously the Eagles with a huge victory last week over the Cowboys, a game they they really dominated from beginning to end. I know that this final score ended up looking close, but they had that game pretty much in control, I thought. Dak Prescott, terrible performance from him. Maybe it's the injury, maybe it's not, but he certainly picked a bad spot to have maybe his worst game of the year. I mean, he was just missing guys wide open, especially on that final drive. I mean, Tavon Austin, 
easily beats Rasul Douglas, should have been a touchdown. So the Cowboys do indeed end up missing the playoffs. Ironically, Dak will be a big reason why after playing pretty well all year because they 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 could have won that game if he turns in even a B-minus performance or a B. But because he didn't, the Eagles, I thought, played their best game of the season, both on offense and defense. Uh, before we get into the upcoming games, what, what were your takeaways from that from that game? Well, I mean, look, the Eagles won the game. You know, they, they, they kept the Cowboys out of the end zone. They couldn't keep the Dolphins out of the end zone, the Giants with Eli Manning out of the end zone, the Redskins with Dwayne Haskins out of the end zone. Mm-hmm. And they really couldn't stop anybody. And to keep them out of the end zone uh, is a credit. It's a credit. I mean, all the way down to Sidney Jones defending the last fourth down throw. Um, but I don't think they played great. I think they had a good game plan. Their game plan was to take Ezekiel Elliott out of the game. And Malcolm Jenkins played linebacker, and he, that's when he's at his best, when he's up the line of scrimmage. And, uh, you know, Zeke Elliott, he run for 47 yards with 13 carries after the game that he had the week before. They got that job done, and they wanted Zeke, uh, Dak to beat him, and he couldn't do it. Uh, the guys dropped a lot of passes. He missed throws. There was a lot of plays and a lot of points left on the field that day. Uh, but, you know, I, I I like the way the Eagles play defensively. Obviously, you keep a team out of the end zone. That's that's a nice it's a nice feather in your hat. But you know, Carson just keeps getting more and more confident. He missed nine yeah. passes the whole day. Um, he was awesome, and to see the development of JJ Arcega Whiteside on the very first play of the game, to see what Greg Ward Jr. is doing, to see how Dallas Goddard has stepped up, especially when when uh, Zach went down, to see how Miles Sanders has performed. I mean, those four guys. Um, they're under 25 years old. And two of them were basically practice squad players almost all year. Yeah. And they're playing a huge role right now. And I'm not even getting to Boston Scott. I mean, this is a young squad that is coming together. And you say, well, how's that happening? Why? why? Well, there's something about, say, a guy like Greg Ward, who everybody knows is a great kid. You know, he's been a practice squad guy. He was a proven college quarterback, but it wasn't his position to pros. He makes the switch. He does everything right, and all he wants is a chance. And all he's done with that chance is I haven't seen him drop a ball. He runs. He, I haven't seen an Eagle receiver in a long time run slot receiver routes the way he runs those routes. Mm-hmm. Comes out of his breaks very, very well. Um, you know, some of these guys, nobody even talked about them for three months. And here they are getting a chance, and they're hungry. And they're doing the little things correctly. And that's what you need. You need precision in the timing game. And you can tell that Carson trusts these guys. I mean, the first play of the game, you go play action and hit a dig to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for 27 yards. That, that got that team moving. They put up 10 points in the first two drives in that game, in the biggest game that Carson has played that he admittedly has set. Mm-hmm. And the Eagles couldn't score on their first two drives all season long. And they did put up 10 points and make the Cowboys play from behind from the very beginning. It was impressive, and I think you know. It, I would expect that to continue right now. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to say this without it coming across as a shot at Alshon, Deshaun, and Aguilar. But and I really don't mean it as a shot. But there's just no denying they just look better with these guys out there than they did those three veterans. I mean, those three veterans are all great players in their own rights. I mean, they've accomplished a lot more than Greg Ward, Boston Scott, JJ Sigel Whiteside, Rob Davis. I mean, they've accomplished more than those guys, but. I just think Carson looks more comfortable out there with the younger guys. And I think because of that, he's playing better. I mean, his accuracy has been considerably better over the last few weeks than it has really all season. I thought on one play that really highlighted it was on the second drive. 
He hits Miles Sanders in stride, like right in stride, something he struggled with all year, hitting his receivers in stride. Hits Miles Sanders, he goes up the sideline for 27 yards, I think it was, or maybe it, maybe it was a little more than that. But regardless, the Carson just looks better. And you said it at the top of the, the pod, and I think it's a good point. I mean, the Eagles are going to potentially go into the playoffs having won four straight games. And although they'll be nine and seven, I don't think there are many. T- I mean, look, the Niners are better. The Saints are better. Like, I get that. That being said, if I'm a team, like, I don't want to come to Philadelphia to play this Eagles team right now. They're confident. It's a hard place to play. And Carson, when he's playing at the level he is now, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And now, and then Doug Peterson's four and one in the playoffs. So I do think if the Eagles can win on Sunday, and that's an if, I mean, the Giants are playing well, the Eagles struggle on the road. But if the Eagles win on Sunday, they are going into the playoffs hot. And they're a team that I would look at as a potential dark horse to make a run that would surprise people. Well, I would agree. And if you watch Daniel Jones throw five touchdown passes last week and to see what Saquon Barkley did in that game, which was a Giants record for total yards in a game. Yep. You look at those, you know, what they're doing and how the offensive line played, which is probably the best they played all year. I, I get it's the Redskins, but it's a good challenge for the Eagles. And, you know, if they want to be a playoff team, then they have to go take care of this business. And you can see the leadership on the – everybody knows who the, the players are on the Eagles, the leaders, and they all stepped up. You know, Malcolm Jenkins and Fletcher. Fletcher was dominant. Uh, that, that offensive line has three Pro Bowl offensive linemen on it, and I thought that they bothered uh, Dak in that game. They shut down Zeke. Brandon Graham got – you know, I mean, these guys – uh, they have good leadership. They know what this time of the year is all about. And you, you, you know, during the week, especially during the week, game day is game day, but during the week is when you really need those guys to make sure that practice is crisp, that they're getting the best out of practice, that they really understand what they're doing and that they're not going to make mistakes on Sunday. And I think you're going to get that. The offensive line has played well throughout all of this. I was always saying that the Eagles should be a better team based on just the offensive line yep. play and they weren't getting good quarterback play for a long time. But this is a good test. It'll be four straight NFC East games. We know what it's not a strong division this year, but who cares? Four wins are four wins. Some of them are on the road, and one of them might knock the Cowboys completely out. And maybe there's huge changes as a result of that. So with each game, you get a little bit more confident, and I would expect them to be at their best this weekend. So you mentioned potential big changes coming in Dallas. And let, let's assume the Eagles take care of business. And even if Dallas does win, they're, they're not going to be a playoff team if the Eagles beat the Giants. That brings on Monday, where, of course, we'll see a lot of moves around the league. Dan Quinn already announced is coming back. But there'll be some firings uh, around the league. And Jason Garrett could be one of them. And I personally think should be one of them. I mean, they just don't look like a well-coached team. Or I shouldn't even really say that. They just don't play with the same type of passion. They don't seem as motivated as the Eagles do. And I hate to say that because it can sound cliche sometimes, but just watching those two teams in person on Sunday night in a game of that magnitude, for them to come out and play the way they did, I thought was a real telltale sign of where they're at right now with Jason Garrett as their head coach. Would you, if you're the Cowboys, would you move on from Garrett? And who would you target if you're the Cowboys? Who do you think could come in there and, and uh, kind of get that thing turned around and help Dak mm-hmm. to the next stage in his development? Well, you know, my opinion doesn't count, but I, I, I believe Jerry is going to make a move uh, regardless of what happens to the Cowboys. I, I think he's going to make a move. Mm-hmm. I think the the rumblings have been there. Um, I think they, you know, he allowed him to make some changes on the staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Scott Linehan was blown out, and that was Jason Garrett's guy. I mean, 
Jason Garrett worked for Scott Linehan with the Miami Dolphins. They've got a, a great relationship. They Kellen Moore and John Kitna get elevated, you know, in new positions. Um, you know, they've made a lot of changes on the staff over the last two years. And so, and but, you know, the results aren't there. And you can say passion. You can say all this stuff. I mean, they just don't execute. Yeah. And the plays are there to be made. I mean, there's you're going to get single high safety. You're going to get eight in a box. I mean, you know what you're going to get. You, you know the plays that you're going to call against them. Everybody has pretty much the same package of plays to beat man coverage, and they couldn't beat it. And so you pay these guys a lot of money. He wrote uh, Jerry Jones wrote a lot of big checks this year. I believe that they will make a change. I don't know. I really don't have a feel if he goes to the college game. I will say this. Lincoln Riley gets a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Uh, Matt Rule has got a lot of attention, and rightfully so. But, you know, if you look at what Cliff Kingsbury has done in Arizona and how that offense really fits the quarterback. Yep. Um, for them to go up to Seattle, win that game, to have five wins, to be, you know, a middle-of-the-pack offense right now when they were the worst offense in football and nobody was close to them a year ago. And they're nowhere like that now. You almost say, you know what, the college game just keeps coming to the NFL anyways. We're getting all of the formations. Baltimore is running a college offense. I mean, why not go get a, the best college coach out there that might be available, whether it's Urban Meyer or Lincoln Riley? I mean, take a, take a chance on it. They did their the best coach they ever had was a college coach in Jimmy Johnson. Like, why not go to the college ranks and get the best college coach right now? And to me, that's probably the direction that they're going to go. Yeah, I, I would like Lincoln Riley there if I'm the Cowboys and especially if I'm Dak. I mean, you see what he's done with the various quarterbacks that have come, th come through his program. And like you mentioned, I mean, I, I personally wasn't high on the decision to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't really think it would work out after watching the Chip Kelly disaster up front here in Philadelphia. But it has worked out. and He's done a great job bringing along Kyler, and Kyler's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year. And he, he's had a great year. And as you mentioned, went into Seattle last week. But – I, I would like Lincoln Riley as the Cowboys coach if, if I'm a, a Dallas fan. I would think that would be a move that would re-energize the uh, franchise. You bring in a, a, a young offensive mind like that, pair him with Dak. They already have weapons there. If they're able to bring Amari back, um, anyway, although they've apparently soured on him, essentially benching him uh, in that big game. But I, I would like uh, I would like Lincoln Riley there. Um so going forward, I want to get your uh, your thoughts on some of the playoff teams. Uh, so I wanted to go, and you can tell me what your biggest reason to believe in a team is and your biggest reason to be skeptical. But before we do that, uh, I wanted to, of course, tell you, as I always do, a story about hiring. And as we know, hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. And growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But when she switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference, and you can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And by using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones. Then she found the right one. In fact, after po posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found quality candidates so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can see why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes, and you can try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, 
ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, Baldy, as I said, there's a few teams still to be decided if they'll be in there, but I want to talk about the teams that are going to be there. And as we, because next week we'll be talking about playoff matchups and really diving into those games. But big picture heading into the playoffs, I want to get your thoughts on the biggest reason to believe and the biggest reason to be skeptical about some of the teams. Let's start with the probable Super Bowl favorite. I think the team that is going to win the Super Bowl, the Baltimore Ravens, pretty clear why there's a lot of reasons to believe. I mean, right, Lamar Jackson's playing at a high level. The coaching staff is coaching an elite level right now. The Mark Ingram injury may be a bit of a concern. But So I'll just start with biggest reason to be skeptical about the Ravens since I think we both have a lot of reason to believe in them. Well, I, I talked to the offense coordinator. I talked to all the coaches on Sunday in Baltimore, John Harbaugh, Wink Martindale, Greg Roman. And, you know, Greg Roman told me that they have a lot of things that they haven't shown anybody yet, mm. um, which is good and it is bad. I mean, it's good that the teams won't have seen it on tape, but then you haven't really tried it to see right. how it works. So you go, okay, well, it's great that you got this package of plays or this these concepts that you're going to unveil in January, but you haven't really worked on them. So that kind of makes more. The only thing I would say about Baltimore that they – because they've been well-tested. They've seen the Patriots. They've seen the 49ers. They've seen a lot of good teams. They've won 11 in a row. But the only thing – there's two, two things that I would be concerned about. If Lamar doesn't play this week against Pittsburgh, in all indications he won't, he'll go three weeks without playing before they play the divisional round. That's a long time to expect any player to stay sharp, much less the league's MVP. And then the only other concern I have is they really have not had to play from behind this year. They were down 6 nothing in Cleveland in the second quarter, but they haven't been down two touchdowns. And how will the offense look and how will Lamar react if they have to get away from, you know, the powerful running game that they have in order to play catch-up? Now, they haven't been in that situation because they're a really good team and they just haven't been there. But you know, if they're playing Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes just does Patrick Mahomes type things and you're down, you know, 21-7, 14-0, whatever, will you do you have the firepower to come back in a game like that? That that'd be my concern. Fair to say the Ravens are your favorite to come out the AFC heading into the playoffs? They're they're my favorite team in this whole tournament. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I think it's going to be them in the 49ers. But, all right, the New England Patriots, biggest reason to believe, biggest reason to be skeptical. Well, the biggest reason to believe is defensively they've been very good all year. And they have carried this team all year. And you've got Belichick and Brady, and they have been through this. And last week, in a game to decide the AFC East for the 11th year in a row, they took care of business against Buffalo. They shut their offense down at the end. They made enough plays offensively. Uh, including being able to run the ball better than they ran it all year long. And they got their, you know, much of their offensive line back on the field. And they look like a Patriot offense that beat the Rams last year. They ran the ball. They took care of the ball. Brady made a lot of really good throws in the game. And you go, okay, you know, they're back to a degree. I mean, they're not an explosive offensive team. But the biggest reason that I believe in that team is they can keep the score down in any game. Yeah. And they're going to they're going to make you earn everything that you get. Yeah, and I obviously when you have Tom Brady at quarterback and you're playing a close game in the playoffs, you have to like your chances there. So you mentioned the, the their victory over the Bills last week on Saturday. Obviously a big win for the team and a big win in terms of just playoff seeding and all that. 
But the Buffalo Bills, tough loss for them. I mean, they, they were in that game. Could have been a really big one for them. Just came up short. Why do you believe in the Bills? I know they're one of your favorite teams uh, in the league this year. So wh- what's your biggest reason to believe and then also biggest reason to be skeptical? Well, I mean, I think they're a really well-coached team. They do everything well. Uh, they don't beat themselves. They don't turn the ball over a great deal. They, they take the ball. I mean, they do a lot of really – they don't have a lot of penalties. They just do a lot. Of, they tackle well. They do a lot of things that show up on tape that says it's a well-coached team, and they are. So that, that's the biggest reason why. And I, I think Josh Allen can be an X factor. I know that he's not a polished passer yet. He's improved, but he's not a polished passer yet. Uh, and you probably need to be at this time. I mean, it was a playoff game in New England last week. He wasn't good enough in the passing game, uh, especially on their final drives to overtake the Patriots. And we have seen a lot of quarterbacks that can be good regular season quarterbacks. They can win a lot of games. They're not great in the postseason. Um, but he is an X factor. I mean, he's run for 16 touchdowns the last two years. He, he, what he does with the ball when things break down are very unpredictable. He's taken a lot of bad plays out of him. He can create a lot of good plays. You throw a 53-yard touchdown pass to John Brown, um, it's a great throw. Uh, you know, so I think the biggest reason why I believe in him is I think they're, they're well coached. And the biggest reason why I think they may struggle in the postseason is the quarterback isn't as polished as he needs to be yet in order to win postseason games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I think Josh Allen's definitely the weak weak spot with that team. And projecting forward, I mean, for them to really become a serious contender, he's going to have to take a step forward. And I'll be – I'm looking forward to seeing if he's able to do that next year whenever their eventual playoff uh, run does come to an end. Kansas City Chiefs, kind of a team that's – I don't want to say been completely slept on because obviously when you have Patrick Mahomes, you certainly get talked about a lot in Andy Reid. But it is interesting. You hear a lot about the Ravens, the Patriots. I mean, even we just discussed the Bills, right? Like, But the Chiefs, I think, are going to be an extremely tough out. And you mentioned the fact that they could potentially be going into Baltimore, one of these teams, coming off of a playoff a playoff win. And they're a team that can jump out to, to big leads quickly with that offense. Uh, biggest reason you believe in them and biggest reason you're skeptical? Well, the biggest reason I believe in them is Patrick Mahomes and the offense and what they're capable of doing. But Spags is doing what Spags does. It takes him a half a year to figure things out and to get players in the best position. They now play basically a dime defense. They play basically play one linebacker, uh, Hitchens. They will play two if you can run the ball on them a little bit. Um, Damian Wilson will come in there. But they have so many packages right now. And basically they built this defense around Tyron Matthew where they just let him basically freelance to go make all the plays. Um, whether it's in a pass game or the run game. He's got great instincts. He's a great tackler. But they're getting excellent corner play right now from Charvarius Ward and Brashad Breland. They've moved Kendall Fuller, their starting left corner, to safety. They play four safeties, Sorensen. Um, you know, they, and so he's back at safety along with Matthew, um, along with Fuller, and along with the rookie right now. And you look at him, you go, okay, uh, they're doing everything the right way. Defensively, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, in their division, they're 5-0 and in the AFC West right now. They've given up a total of 48 points in those five division games. Wow. And they play the Chargers this week. I mean, look, the Patriots own the AFC East, obviously. But nobody is dominating their own division the way the Chiefs are dominating their own division. And they get a home playoff game against the Chargers this week. So, you know, they, they still have got a chance, you know, right now to, you know, finish 12-4 and four and still on the outside, you know, have a chance to get a – you know, a two seed, 
depending on what the, the Patriots do. So uh, they're going to be a dangerous team because defensively, Spags really has got them playing to their strengths right now. The Houston Texans could be getting or will be getting J.J. Watt back, uh, I believe, in the playoffs. Should be a boost for them. We'll see how effective he can be after so much time off. Uh, do you view the Texans as a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Do you think their their playoff run is going to be pretty short? Uh, you know, look, I mean, Deshaun Watson can be a f- phenomenal player. Um, they've won four of their last five games right now. Just that one home loss to Denver where they were just awful defensively. Uh, I, I have concerns about their secondary and pass rush, and maybe J.J. Watt helps both mm-hmm. if he can play at any kind of a J.J. Watt level. Um, you know, it's – and then, you know, this – Will Fuller is a real speed demon. It really changes their offense, and he's he's constantly hurt. He's hurt now, and I don't know what his status is for the postseason. I don't think he'll play this weekend against Tennessee. Um they don't have to win this weekend. They still, you know, are locked in as uh, the four seed right now. Yep. So I kind of think that, you know, they may get Tennessee next week, and that would be three times in four weeks that they would get Tennessee. And I, I like their chances against Tennessee. So if you win one playoff game, you can win two playoff games. So let's let, let's lump these last three teams in the AFC together since the Titans are not clinched yet, and then the Raiders and the uh, Steelers are in it as well. Of those three teams, which do you think is capable of winning their first playoff game? Well, I'd say Tennessee. I mean, look, with Ryan Tannehill, I mean, they've given up the most sacks in the league right now, which is shocking. Um, they're giving up a sack every 7.8 passes right now, the worst in the league. Um, you now, why is that? You know, I mean, I think it's a, it's a combination. It's a combination of design. It's a combination of uh, the way the offense is structured uh, when – and so there's a lot of things. They, they do a lot of seven-step drops because they think the play-action pass the game off Henry is really good, but it really is kind of counterproductive a lot of times. You hold the ball too long, and you get these deep drops by the quarterback. But as much as I said that, Ryan Tannehill is averaging in his nine starts almost 30 points a game. I mean, they're putting up points. Defensively, though, the whole secondary has been hurt. Mm-hmm. They've lost all their corners, basically, except for um, – except for Logan Ryan's right now. It looks like they're all playing all backup cornerbacks. And that'd be my concern right now is you watch it against uh, the Saints last weekend. I mean, the secondary just isn't very good right now. When you look at the the AFC, I mean, now we've gone over kind of each of the teams. Outside of the Ravens, who do you view as – I mean, we've both said we think the Ravens are, are the best team. Who do you think is the has the best chance of winning the, uh, the conference? Well, I mean, it, it is a cliche, but defense does win these championships. The Patriots, you know, kept the Chargers to one touchdown last year. They kept the Rams to three points in the postseason. Patrick Mahomes had zero at the end of the first half last week in the last year in the AFC Championship game. I mean, defensively, they played their best football all year and has carried on, on all the way through the season. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the Patriots have all the chess pieces necessary to keep the score, you know, down. And I would say that they they still are a legitimate threat. And the way Kansas City is playing right now, they're a legitimate threat. I mean, both those teams, I believe, can threaten uh, the Baltimore Ravens. So uh, we're going to get into the NFC on, on the next pod on uh, next week. We'll pre- preview some of the games. We'll talk about the, the uh, NFC. But before we wrap this one up, just curious what you're most looking forward to this weekend. I mean, obviously the big 49ers Seattle game, or is there some game you're excited to watch and maybe isn't getting uh, talked about a ton? Well, I'm actually most excited 
I mean, I, I'm doing a one o'clock game in Charlotte, the Saints and the Panthers, because the Saints still have a chance to get a number two seed. But yeah. I'm really interested in the game that you're going to be at, Elliot, because the Eagles, while they are hot and they are playing well, they're more than capable of getting beat by this giant team. Because uh, the Giants can be really explosive. And Eli, I mean, Daniel Jones played really well last week. And they can attack where the Eagles have the most problems. And so I'm anxious to see if the Giants play spoiler here. So I expect the Eagles to win the game. But it won't shock me if at 7.30 on Sunday night, the Eagles are 8-8 eight and eight and the Giants play spoiler. I mean, they have a lot more talent than their 4-11 record says. So in the last two weeks, they've played well. So that's the game I'm actually most interested in all week. Yeah, and I will say that, I mean, look, the Eagles' defense has played well at home. Their defense does not travel, uh, and they do not play well on the road. And the, you mentioned the big play capabilities. I mean, they first of all, the Giants always play the Eagles tough. I mean, it took overtime for the Eagles to beat them just a few weeks ago, and that was with Eli Manning. And Daniel Jones is playing at a higher level right now than, than Eli is. But the Eagles really struggle with giving up big plays down the field. And Daniel Jones is capable of doing that. I mean, Daniel Jones throws a really nice deep ball, I think. So that could be a real problem. If I'm the Giants, I'm attempting minimum 10 throws down the field. Just just keep putting it up there, see what happens. The Eagles have shown they're not going to be able to stop that. So although I also think the Eagles win, I will say my level of confidence, the more I watch the Giants this week, and just kind of look more into them and how well they're playing. My confidence level in that has gone down. I think this could end up being a close game. And man, it is going to be a disaster if they lose it. All the goodwill Carson and, and you know, it's kind of built up from that big win over the Cowboys will go away quickly if they lose that game. So, Baldy, I look forward to talking to you about that next week. We'll get into the NFC teams, talk about who we think is going to come out, who we uh, are believers in, why we're skeptical about some of the teams. We'll be previewing these playoff matchups. We'll have the the actual matchups for Wild Card Weekend. So, Baldy, I will talk to you next week. Elliot, good job by you. I look forward to it. Enjoy the game this weekend. Happy New Year to everybody. Yep, Happy New Year to everybody. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.